You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can text us at 865-658-5824. You can email us, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. Just want to say good morning to everyone. Excited to get in here and talk a little Packers with you guys. Obviously, still uh, riding that high off the big win uh, there in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day. Still looking for the turkey leg. Don't know what happened there. Hearing a lot of conspiracy theories go around the internet, which uh, that's what makes the internet so great, right? So uh, probably going to be flying solo the entire show. Hopefully you don't get tired of me. May get a little bit more uh, dead air on this show just to take a breather and get a sip of this uh, this diesel that we're sipping on here this morning. Hope everybody's got your, your cup of joe out there ready to roll. We got the chat already lit up in here. Nick McSwain says, crazy that golf was pressured 27 times on 44 dropbacks. That's wild, man. If that stat is correct, I mean, you've seen it all day long, Nick. Um, it was just a, a great defensive performance. I know people are still hating on the Packers, and, you know, some say I actually put a tweet out just a second ago kind of pointing out the statistics and where we sit uh, in points per play and points per game. And, uh, you know, uh, had someone respond, which is totally cool. We can disagree. It's all it's all good. But say I just hate the way he played there at the end of the game. And I think fans look at it a little bit different. Right. Um, you know, I, I've listened to a lot of people like I've read a lot of Bill Walsh books. Um, I've listened to people like Michael Lombardi, other great defensive minds. Right. You know, I'm a big Bill Belichick, uh, you know, follower as far as his entire career, what he's done well, what he's done not so well. Um, and, you know, the way I seen that fourth quarter, I had no problem with the way Barry called it because once you get to a certain point in the game, guys, the the opponent isn't the other team. The opponent becomes the clock. That's just the way I see it, and I'm not saying I'm right and that person's wrong. That's just kind of the way I see it. I do know this, that if we had played more aggressive <clears throat> and we would have ended up losing that game, I guarantee you those same people would be sitting here going, I don't understand, you know the clock's the opponent. <laughs> on it there why would we do that um so it all comes down to how you want the defense to play i've seen i'm seeing other people calling for robert sala you know if robert sala gets fired in new york 
Let's bring him to Green Bay. Guys, I hate to break it to you, but Green Bay's defense is outperforming the Jets. That's a fact. Now, it's happened all year long. The problem is people all year long, the gatekeepers have not allowed us to acknowledge that the defense has played well because we, quote, unquote, haven't played anyone, even though we had played Detroit, right? And so now you play the Chargers and you play Detroit again. Detroit's still one of the top offenses in the game. And you hold Detroit's offense to 14 points through three quarters. Think about that. 14 points through three quarters. And then you start to play – you have to start to play uh, the clock, right? And and you get to the point where it's, okay, we, we're we cool with them scoring here, but they're going to use every inch of the field. They're going to use every second off the clock. And you've seen that defense bend but don't break. I've always been of the opinion a bend but don't break defense is a positive thing. What it simply means is you're not going to allow them to get in the end zone. And we've seen this red zone defense really step up. Um, you know, yes, we want to limit the explosive plays on the ground. Obviously, that's been an issue. No one said this defense was perfect. I've said all year it's a top 15 defense. People told me I was crazy, right? Not everyone, but a good select group have told me I was nuts. Now what I'm coming to the realization of is I, I totally expected this three-game stretch us to drop out of the top 10 in defense, and that may very well happen after Kansas City. It can't happen too much unless we just completely screw the pooch. We all know they've got drop issues uh, with MVS and some of the other – even Kelsey's had some drop issues here lately. So um, if we come out of Kansas City and we're still in the top 10, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to be – I'm going to have to be rude and pointed out because it's just wild, man, that people still don't want to acknowledge how good this defense has played. And, and I said it several weeks ago, and I, I got to be real, I was a little bit hesitant in saying it when people, this team doesn't have an identity. This team doesn't. This team has had an identity all year long. It's just some folks, some Packer fans are so dug in on the fact that they hate Joe Barry that they don't want to acknowledge that the, the identity of this team is this defense, period, case closed. And, and it's, well, you, you should be good on defense. Look at all the draft capital. Do I need to remind you how many people are on the bench with injuries? You did that against the Lions without Jair Alexander, without Rudy Ford, right? Without, you know, arguably, I mean, Darnell Savage, whether you like him or not, this team looked at Darnell Savage as a starting safety, right? You've been without him. You've been without Rashawn Gary very early in the year, all those things. So it's just time to acknowledge that. But, yeah, Nick, that's a crazy stat, man. Uh, you love to see it. Dude. You absolutely love it, especially against what some were saying is the best offensive line in the game. That wasn't me saying that. That was proven NFL, you know, former NFL uh, people, personnel, players, right, going, this is the best offensive line in the league. When we broke it down, you know, leading up to the game, what did we see? We we seen, you know, PFF completely agreed. You know, with the exception of the left guard, they had plugged in a start at the, you know, in the starting lineup, which I didn't even pay attention to see if he played or not. Other than that, it was it was arguably the best offensive line in the league, so. Just a, a really, really good win. Nick also says, Sup, uh, was was watching some Jordan Love film breakdown, and it looks to me like he's using his eyes more to lead defenders away from where he's throwing. That's something he's been good at, Nick. We've seen it in preseason. We've seen it early in the year. He's been good at that, to, maybe to a fault sometimes, but I think what you're seeing is the game really is, like someone said here later, later the game really is slowing down for Jordan Love, and that's kind of allowing him to uh, – I don't know, man, to, to sit back there a little more comfortably, but not recklessly in the pocket either. I felt like his pocket awareness was way better in this game uh, against Detroit. But, yeah, he's just doing he's doing the little things good. Now we've got to fix the accuracy, right? The timing was an issue there in the second quarter 
of the season, in my opinion, right? Kind of that that three to four game stretch, you know, right around weeks four through seven. Um, it, it just seemed like his timing was really off. You can see the timing is really settled in. Now let's hone in that accuracy, which is getting better. It seems to be getting better. Um, I think two of the last three games, he was above 60% completion percentage, if I remember correctly. So, and even higher than that, I think one game it was like 70, was it 77 or whatever it was? I don't have the numbers in front of me, but yeah, completely agree. Doug in the chat said, I'm doubling down, tired of all the mealy mouth analysts. Uh, Jay Love is quarterback one present and future. Hey, I love that you've made that decision, Doug. I'm almost there, dude. I'm getting so close, so close. To, to feel in the same way. If you if you had to make me choose today, I would say yes. Just his composure, the way he's leading the, the huddle. Um, you know, when you look at when you need a play, he kind of makes it, you know. Um, we're one of those teams that it seems like every time we're in a third down situation, that number has really amped up with the third down efficiency. I don't know the exact number. That's just kind of speaking from an emotional standpoint of watching the game. Um, but I would like to, uh, to kind of take a look and see if uh, if that number really holds true. Uh, Doug also in the chat said, game's starting to slow down for love. It's fun to watch him pro- uh, progress. To Nick's earlier point, absolutely, completely agree. Nick McSwain says, every time the Packers win, people find a way to blow it off. It's so true, man. And, and specifically for me, it's irking me how they do it with the defense. That's what's really bothering me. You know, one second we're talking about how there's so much parity in the league and, and how, um, you know, the worst team is so close to the best team. I know I feel that way. But then the second that you you stand tall on a you stand real firm on a on a hot take, which is what ninety nine percent of the analysts do, and that doesn't come true, now you start backpedaling and try to find ways to to validate your your previous comment, right? And it's just silly. It's just just a weird way to watch football. Uh, Omar in the chat said, "Watch Mike Wall's tape. Nice to see such a positive broadcast from our tape for a change." It is. It's a nice change of pace for sure, Omer. Appreciate you being in here, buddy. Nick says people are saying, um, still saying, wait till they play a good team and saying, quote, yeah, but golf sucks. Like he hasn't been playing great this year. Dude's been one of the top quarterbacks in the league. You know, an elite PFF grade going into this week, if I remember correctly. You're you're exactly right. You're spot on there. And then Omer says Malik Heath looked like Wicks. Uh, They lost nothing with his absence. I don't think he looks as good as Wicks, Omer. But you're right. They didn't lose anything without him. I mean, that dude, uh, they're two different receivers, right? To me, Malik Heath is a a great blocker, and I don't say that in a negative sense. I mean, a great blocker. He's got strong hands. He knows how to position his body. He done a great job uh, improvising there with Jordan Love on one play where he kind of ran a sit route, did a little shimmy left, worked his way to the sideline. Great throw by Love on the run. I think across his body, if I remember correctly. And uh, I think they converted on a first down right there. So, or on a third down, I believe it was. But, yeah, um, two different types of receivers. Malik Heath is an absolute – or, I'm sorry, uh, Dontavian Wicks, to me, looks like an absolute technician in his route running, right? Um, I think Malik Heath might have a little bit better hands than Dontavian Wicks, but Dontavian Wicks is a lot shiftier and just has that ability to find those soft spots in the zone. But, you know, as I'm I'm answering that for you, Omer, it is kind of uh, popping out to me that, you know, both of those guys do – find the soft spot in the zone when the play breaks down really well. So I could kind of see your comparison there, man, for sure. Um, let's see what else we got going in the chat, and then we'll kind of get into what we're going to cover today. Um, let's see, number one Packer fan says, what up, squad? It's funny how the narrative is the Lions played a bad game, not the Packers outplayed the Lions in every phase of the game. You know, people are talking about those fumbles, right? Oh, well, if they don't fumble, if they don't fumble. Show me the fumble where they just fumbled. 
because I'll show you every single time they fumbled the ball, a Packers defender was hustling their arse off and knocking the ball out of the player's hands. Like, Jared Goff looked like a deer in headlights. And we're going to sit here and pretend like, well, the Lions just gave the game away. It just cracks me up, man. Let them keep betting against the Packers. Again, we were expecting them to go somewhere between six to ten wins. It looks like we're going to probably fall somewhere in that seven to nine range. Is kind of what it looks like. But let them keep doubting. Let them keep doubting the Packers. I love being the underdog. Absolutely love it. You let this team somehow, some way, squeak into the playoffs, and it's going to be game on. Um, it's experience. First of all, you're playing with the house's money. It's going to be experience for a young team to get some kind of playoff football. That would be phenomenal. If they don't make the playoffs, the momentum you've created in spurts is really setting you up to be successful in 2024. There's no doubt about it. Um, so uh, let's do this. Let's let's kind of get into the playoff talk since we uh, we already kind of went down that road. I've got a couple images here. I wanted to talk about this. I'm going to kill my camera for a second. And uh, that way you guys don't have to stare at my ugly mug up in the camera trying to read this stuff to you guys. I'm getting old, fellas, getting old. Uh, let's see, playoff chances. PFF tweeted this out, PFF Green Bay Packers. You can follow them at PFF underscore Packers. Says, so you're telling me there's a chance. 21% is uh, is the chance of them making the playoffs now, according to PFF, okay? And I'm sure those analytics are correct. So 21%, you guys, you guys remember it dipped really low a couple weeks ago, right? And here we are back with almost a almost a quarter chance of making the playoffs. That's really exciting stuff, especially if you get hot towards the end of the year. You can finish strong and kind of solidify that playoff spot. That would be awesome. So when we look at the standings currently, the Eagles have the number one seed at nine and one. By the way, a great center. Uh, the 49ers uh, have the number two seed at eight and three. Absolutely loaded roster uh, when it comes to the nine. I mean, you look across the board. They have, they have I, I think, the most well-balanced roster across the entire league. The Eagles are just so darn good in the trenches. The Lions, number three, but I thought we hadn't played anyone. <laughs> the Lions sitting at eight and three in the number three spot. We just beat the number three seed in the NFC, guys, and beat them handedly, right? Uh, Saints in the number four spot. They are the, uh, the ugly stepsister, obviously, at five and five, uh, leading that horrible NFC South division. Uh, the Cowboys come in at the number five seed at eight and three. Man, the NFC East is just so, so darn good. The Vikings at number six at six and five. And then the Seahawks at number seven at six and five. And then, of course, your Green Bay Packers at five and six. So you can see as we get into the playoff hunt, what we're going to start watching are the Vikings games and the Seahawks games, right? We need the Packers to take care of business. Absolutely. It's, it's the only way you're going to get in. Um, but. I think it's really, really cool that you can start to keep an eye on some of the other teams. Oh, by the way, we play the Vikings one more time, too. I'm thinking about going to that game in Minneapolis. I really am. It's uh, That would be a lot of fun. Um, Seattle, though, um, not impressed by Seattle here of lately. They've really uh, began to struggle. They've lost two in a row. Um, it, just, that, it just seems like they're in that cyclical – they're in that cycle that we talk about, you know, with the NFL being cyclical. It even happens within season. A team will go on a little bit of a streak. Other teams will catch on. They're watching the tape. They're catching on to what they're doing well, what they're doing bad. They start exploiting those things, and the team will start to struggle. Now it's on the coaching staff to kind of turn it around. So this next game for the for the Seahawks, I don't know who they play, but both them and the Vikings to see how they're going to adjust. You know, Josh Dobbs came in. I know my nephew is a Vikings fan. was just ecstatic over Josh Dobbs. Stand-up dude. Went to UT right down the road here in Tennessee. Just one of those guys that you would you want your kids to uh, to look up to, right? Um, extremely intelligent. 
great moral standard, all those things. Um, you know, we came out, played well, but now you're seeing defenses start to adjust to them, right? They're going to start to take away some of those comfort zones. You got to get tape on that quarterback now, right? So uh, that's just kind of how how that plays from a cyclical standpoint. Let's see. We got Jake Shavink in the house. Says Seattle having San Francisco, Dallas, San Francisco, Philly is one stretch in one stretch is tough. That's awesome, dude. So they just played San Francisco. Obviously, they got Dallas next, San Fran again, and then Philly again. Um, yeah, man, that's really playing in our hands. And Jake, if you're free, man, you want to hop on here? I sent you the link. Feel free to jump on, buddy. I don't know if you, you might be just kind of listening in the background. That's totally cool too. Um, yeah, that's that's good information. Appreciate you sharing that, man. That really sh- shows you, you know, with Seattle. I'd like to see Minnesota's remaining schedule as well, just to kind of see uh, how that's going to play out there for sure. Um, let's see. Nick McSwain in the chat said Cowboys versus Seahawks. Um, you got uh, Paul Robertson says Dallas looking very sharp, man. They look good. Dak's your MVP right now, guys. There's no two ways about it. I know some people just roll their eyes, but I'm telling you, man, he's protecting the football a lot better. I think he's leading the league in touchdowns. Um, in the top five in touchdown passes, no one else is close to him uh, in, in as far as interception percentage. Um, seems like some of those people are uh, – some of those quarterbacks are kind of, uh, you know, throwing more interceptions than Dak. He's been protecting the ball here lately for sure, it seems like. So uh, the Seahawks have got, like I said, the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Niners, uh, again, in San Fran. And it's going to be in San Francisco. You're right. So it's going to be tough for them. Um, Yeah. Like Jeffrey says here in the chat, when you believe in yourself, anything is possible, man. Hey, momentum is a real thing in the league. I know some people kind of scoff at that, but momentum is a very, very real thing in the league. O'Mara in the chat says, if we lose to Kansas City and went out, we're 10-7, and seven, which is a guaranteed wild card. Uh, the old saying, you know, win 10 and you're in. Seattle is only one game ahead of us now after their loss versus San Francisco. Imagine if we beat KC. And, Omer, I know you've been very vocal. We think You think we're going to get beat by KC. I think that's a very realistic prediction, man. Kansas City is solid, dude. They're so good. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they, they've got their struggles. I don't. I, I think that Detroit has been playing better ball than Kansas City, but the way I always try to pick these matchups, these questions, if someone were to ask me who's the better team, Kansas City or Detroit, I'd say, okay, you got one game to win, a bet, which team are you picking? I'm picking Pat Mahomes and Kelsey over Jerry Goff and, and Laporta and I'm on Ross St. Brown. That's just me personally, right? And I'm definitely picking Andy Reid over Dan Campbell, right? You know, they got the pelts on the wall. So that's kind of how I look at that uh, for sure. So, all right, so there is your playoff percentage. We've looked at the NFC standings, trying to stay organized over here for you guys. So we're talking about everyone else's schedule, right? Um, And Mark here in the chat says, we can beat KC. I completely agree. Uh, Let's see, Chris N. in the chat says, Kiefer Packers is being able to duplicate the intensity they brought to the Lions game. Big difference maker. Emotion, man. They were they were running on sheer emotion. You could tell that that game was personal to Rashawn Gary, man. That was really exciting uh, to see him step up and see how much it meant to Matt Lafleur to give him that game ball. Um, we're building a team. We're not collecting talent, right? And everything's starting to peak at the right time. So here is, I like to look at different different websites for different information, gang. Um, what I want to do is kind of give. A global perspective. I want to cover all the bases. We want to cover everything on this pod. So when you look at how the uh, how the schedule stacks up for the remainder of the year, this is from the 33rd team. So what they're doing is they're using SIS data to determine their own power ranking system. So when you see these numbers next to these teams, that's their power ranking system. Now, last time I checked, 
They didn't have the Detroit game updated, so that's totally cool. I just want you to know that's their power ranking for Detroit going into this game. So if we recap the season that we played already, right, you you beat Chicago. They were ranked 23rd. You lost to Atlanta. They were ranked 28th. Bad loss there, right? You get the W against New Orleans. They were ranked 16th. You lost to Detroit. They were ranked 3rd. Um, so you lost to a top five team there, top three team. Uh, against Vegas, they were 29th. You lose that game on the road. The Broncos, they were 25th. You lose that game on the road. Now you play the Vikings. They were ranked, uh, they're ranked ninth. So a top 10 team there, obviously. Um, with them being ranked ninth, you lose that game. It's kind of understandable, right? We're going to bring Jake in here, too. We'll have him in the background. Jake, you're in here, brother. We're just hitting this uh, remaining schedule. All right. So you got uh, – let's see. Where were we at? Uh, yeah, Vikings top 10 team. You lost that game, obviously. You come out and you beat the Rams. They're ranked 19th. You lose to the Steelers. They're ranked 15th, according to the 33rd team. And then you get the win against the Chargers, who um, was a top 10 team. They had them ranked 10th. So Detroit, they had them ranked third. Okay, I, I just want you to kind of see, if you look at the color code, those dark orange teams, those are solid teams. The lighter orange, those are kind of middle of the pack teams. And then, of course, the blues are at the bottom of the of the league so at detroit the third team according to the 33rd team <laughs> say that three times fast um you get the win there now you got kansas city who's ranked six so they're ranked slightly lower than detroit i think you got a realistic shot of beating kansas city it's just how hot is pat mahomes and travis kelsey going to be coming out of the gate you got to watch for chris uh, chris jones i think is his name um it's such a such just a common name. I always think I'm screwing it up. Is it Chris Jones on defense for Kansas City, Jake? It sure is, yes. Yeah, That's God, he's such a beast, man. Yeah, such a beast. So Kansas City ranked sixth. Now, if you get beyond that, the Giants, 32nd. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 17th. The Carolina Panthers, 31st. Then you got the Minnesota Vikings at nine. Of course, they now have Josh Dobbs at quarterback. And then you got Chicago Bears at 23rd. Man, how cool would it be, Jake, to go into the final week of the season winning your end against the Chicago Bears oh, at Lambeau Field, bro? Talk to me. <laughs> man, that will be an electric atmosphere if that is the case. Uh, they will not uh, have, let Fields and company have an inch in terms of sound. Uh, they're going to have to be relaying crap in, you know, eons before guys are in the huddle. So, I mean, I, I expect nothing less from, from Packer Faithful if that is the case. And, I mean – I know someone said in the chat, "Hungry Kansas City is dangerous." They got problems, man. They, they might, they might, you know, take out some frustration on Vegas this week, uh, and that's fair. They probably will, but after that, I, I think they're going to see that the problem still persists. So, you know, I don't think any game left is unwinnable right now. Uh, as much as you know, it's Mahomes, it's Chris Jones, it's Kelsey, right? Like they, they've got a great secondary and it's young, but. Just nothing's out of the question, I think, at this point. Definitely. Um, I think it was Nick McSwain in the chat. Someone just asked me, where do the Packers rank um, right now? Let me pull up the Bears' schedule. That would probably be the easiest way to determine it. And let's see. So, right now, they have the Packers ranked 22nd, according to SIS data. So, I think we can all agree, both offensively and defensively, the coaching staff is overperforming right now. And that's a good thing because early in the year, we were all screaming fire everybody, right? <laughs> Not everybody was screaming that, but a large majority, I feel like, at least the loud ones were. So um, yeah. hopefully that answers your question there, uh, Nick. Yeah, Wolf is right, my friend. Wolf is right. Um, but, again, the fact that you're you're pulling out some of these wins against better teams, 
really says a lot, man. You got your guys ready to go. Um, we're going to get into offense real quick, Jake. It was kind of a bad time yeah, for you good. to jump in. I hate that you're sitting in the background for a minute, but Let's we're going to play a quick video. This came from Packers Daily, Packers.com. You guys can check it out there. You can check it out on their YouTube channel. Also, they tweeted it out under the Packers uh, Twitter account. Make sure you go give it a like, a retweet, all that stuff. Really cool video. It talks about the 20 points that were scored in the first quarter for the Packers. So let's check it out real quick. Then we'll get into the offensive side of the ball. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. First and 10 for Jordan Love and company. We've known since Wednesday, something we put in this week that, um, you know, we thought was going to work. I was kind of mulling it over quite a bit, and I texted Jordan this morning and told him I was going to change it to something else, and he said he wanted this call, so I said okay. Shotgun snap, Love looking to deal, has time. Rainbows deep down the right side, leaping grab, Christian Watson, 53-yard field flipping play to start this Thanksgiving day. Wanted to start fast, you know, wanted to put the offense out there and just set the tone, and uh, that's what we did. Second and goal. Four-man rush. Quick over the middle. Caught. Reed is in. Fakes the handoff. Looks to throw. Swings it right side. Tucker. Kraft. Touchdown. Steps away. Penalty curls and it's incomplete. Maybe not. Ball's going to be returned just in case. Ruling on the field. It's a fumble and it's a touchdown. Twenty to six. Packers in this first quarter. A resounding twenty-point first quarter set the table for a memorable 29-22 victory on Thanksgiving Day. A special day for the Packers, but a particularly meaningful one for Rashawn Gary, who put up big numbers in his return to Detroit. I can remember sitting right in this room a year ago, uh, you know, when he got injured. And it was a different kind of emotion, obviously, today to come back here and have that kind of game. And here's the snap. Goff looking. Hit as he hits the throw. Rashawn Gary arrives at the quarterback for the third time today. Oh, man, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. Having a day like this, having a team win like this, and watching everybody perform how they perform, not one will trade it for anything in the world. Love it, man. I love the work they do over at Packers Daily, Jake. Phenomenal, man. Mike Spofford, Wes Hockowitz, those guys are awesome. 
Of course, Absolutely. Larry McCarron too, a national. I mean, you, we got to oh, protect yeah. him at all costs, man. Oh yeah, and the pinky, wrap the pinky. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah, get him a motorcade um, every game. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, man? I haven't got your uh, your takeaways from the game um, there in Detroit, man. Did you get the chance? Did you get a chance to kind of peek at the TV a couple times with family around? What did you think? Oh, of the game? so we were we were obviously like we had an earlier dinner, so we were at like one thirty, but like eyes were glued to it and it was like all right we're just gonna eat a half time uh <laughs> eat up quick get one and a half platefuls there and and, and give back to see it because that was obviously it's, it's green bay on thanksgiving what could be better right and so yeah i mean i i loved the idea of all right let's get the ball like i i, I get it deferring getting the getting that double up chance is, is really nice and and teams have taken advantage of that over over the years i just loved going out there and saying you know what let's the defense played well but let's let's get some points on the board first let's let's kind of stress this Lions offense out a little bit and they did and that happened last week against Chicago too right they got down a little bit Goff was looked you know shaking the pocket and it kind of played out the same way without the Lions comeback this week so they just the aggressiveness on offense the the willingness to you know kind of not necessarily get away from the run a ton, but realize that, okay, maybe this isn't the strength right now. And we can find ways to have extensions of the run game by swinging it out to Dylan, where Dylan's going to get chances against 200, 190 pound corners, right in space. And so playing it, that sort of extension of the run game, but just willing to just force feed Christian Watson and be like, all right, this is your time, man. Let's, let's go take it right now. And boy, he delivered. And just, I mean, going out there and, and I know my dad called it right away. He's like, just throw it up. Just first play the game. He said, just, he's like, no, we got the ball. Let's, let's just throw it up to Watson. Of course they do it. And then that touchdown to Watson is as good as it gets. It's just seeing, seeing Watson. I'm thrilled for him right now. How can you not be right? Like he's heard it for the last what month, two months now, right? Since he kind of like maybe thought, okay, he's probably back as close to healthy as he can be. So Thrilled for him there. Thrilled for Tucker Craft. How about it? Let's go. First <laughs> touchdown. I know Goose and I were in the Discord. <laughs> all caps when Craft scored. That was a great, great time. Uh, but yeah, it, it just seems like there's sort of a clicking going on with with this young young group of skill positions, especially. And I think you know when you put out the five that includes Ryan and Pass Pro, they look great. They really do. Like Ryan is snatching guys, he's getting them on the ground. Obviously, Myers, I think we we know now is we, we know this. He he's great in pass pro, right? He he's got the the eyes, the processing speed for it, and, and he does a great job there. I just I am I'm thrilled from that 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 performance all around. Would have been nice to kind of maybe take advantage of a couple other opportunities on offense and, and really put this thing to maybe 39-22, right? I think it would have been nice. But again, I think that's part of the inexperience a little bit. Uh you know, going for it on fourth down, you know, and could have taken some points on the board, made that a three possession game early, you know, some of that decision making, but it's, it's hard to fault aggressiveness. I get it. You're on the road. You know, you want to, you want to stomp out Detroit. Like you, this is what you used to do. So we want to go do it again. Don't not mad at that necessarily, but I think, you know, it it was just great to see obviously Rashawn and and him playing at at that level. Carl Brooks. Hello. Welcome (laughs) to the party. Uh, he's flashed the last couple months. There, there's been some spurts of it. The Saint game, he did really well. He batted a few passes in another game that I can't remember now if it was maybe it was the Ram game or not. But he he's figuring out a little bit. I think Van Ness should be getting more snaps. Like they're they're coming along really well. And I think you know the secondary's young. I'm sure that's 
place that they're going to address in the off season. But it, it yesterday was, you know, you come out like that against Detroit, you drop 20 in the first quarter as for a team who has not done much in the first quarter. It's like, all right, finally, here we are. We have arrived. We know this, this offense can do things in, in the first half. It, it was, it was so much fun. It, it yeah. just made the Thanksgiving taste a little bit better. Oh, it was great, man. Yeah. It, uh, like I said, man, it, it, in our house too, um, you know, we were down at my brother-in-law's place and he's a big uh, Washington football team fan, okay. um, huge Washington fan, has been his whole life. So we were awaiting that game. His son is a big Vikings fan. And as soon as I got to the house, my nephew Sammy came up to me and he was like, Hey, we're all we we all we're all pulling for the Packers today, right? So, yeah. so we were all for once able go. to root for the same team, and it there was a, it was a God thing. That's what I say. But yeah. anyway, um, let's talk about the offense and where they rank right now. To the best of my knowledge, this has been updated. Um, I got the screenshot earlier today. So an NFL team's points per game. Okay, points per game. The Packers are currently sitting seventeenth at twenty one points per game. They're right behind the Saints at 21.4, Denver at 21.7. And hey, people made fun of Denver all year long, but they're starting to turn it on a little bit, right? Things are starting to click. I'm not yeah. a huge Sean Payton fan. I'm not, but um, that, that you got to give credit where credit's due. You see it, you got to say it. But when you look yeah. at the top teams in the league, Big Mike up there with Dallas, 31.5 points. I watched them play offense and I go, I've seen this movie before, Jake. Yeah. Tight ends up the seam. Absolutely. <laughs> We've seen a lot of that. Like see go seeing Ferguson run up the seam a couple of times, that forcing those I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. We, we know how that goes. And when you look at the last three games, 42.3 points per game in the last three games. Just and the reason we mention this, guys, is because it's it's important to keep your finger on the pulse across the league to go, okay, what systems are working right now, right? Because mm-hmm. the NFL is so cyclical. Things, things come and go constantly, right? You know, it was going into this year. Some people were saying maybe Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat. Now you're looking at him going, okay, he's the darling again. He's making adjustments, kind of uh, wrapping back around to things that used to work. Miami, 30.8 points uh, per game. Um, obviously, the last three, 22.7, they've been struggling a bit, trying to turn it back around. Uh, San Francisco, 28.2. There's your first or your second Shanahan team. Obviously, Miami, the same kind of coaching tree there, use a, using a lot of those same Shanahan principles. Baltimore, 27.6, Philadelphia, 27.3, and then Detroit, 26.7. And I I know I literally walked on the Twitter just a second ago, put a tweet out. I smacked the hornet's nest and ran back over to the stream. And so we'll go back here in a little bit and see what happens. But everyone just – they don't want to give this defense credit. Detroit, guys, is a legit borderline top five offense in the league. Now, when you look at offense points per play, okay, let's remove the points per game, points per – Per play, Green Bay climbs to 15th now at .345. So you've got a borderline top 15 offense, as were when we started the season. We were talking about kind of there in the outside of the Chicago game, the offense was struggling, right? The defense was kind of carrying the water for a bit. You've seen them kind of turning around there in offense points per play. Now, look at that. Kansas City right yeah. next to us. How about Check it, it out. Interesting. It out. Interesting. Let's go back to points per game here, real quick. Yeah. 14th. Guys, they're 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 not playing like the juggernaut they've been. And that last three, man. Yeah. Oh boy. Fifteen point seven points per game in the last three. Yeah. And let's see how they do on the road. On the road, nineteen point four. That's where they've struggled. That's where they struggled, Jake. So let's. uh, I just noticed your name too, Cooper DeJean season. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Heck yeah. Hey, do it. Do a quick plug. Talk about Cooper DeJean. Who is Cooper DeJean? What position? Talk to us. Um. Real quick, yeah, he plays uh, – so Iowa moved him around a lot last year 
Uh, he's a defensive back. Great punt returner as well. Uh, I know people will like that. Another Keyshawn would be a lot of fun. But Iowa moves moved him a ton, moved around a ton in 2022. Let him play box safety. Let him play in the slot. Let him play corner. He's played mostly exclusively corner this year. Uh, did break his foot in practice a week and a half ago. So it's not, did not get to finish the season, unfortunately, with the Hawkeyes. But it, it's just the the way that Green Bay is kind of trending, <laughs> and where they're going to be picking. Uh, I kind of like I kind of like how this might might turn out. I, I think the secondary is probably the place that they're going to look again <laughs> um, in the draft, just based on what we've just kind of how the evaluations have gone, and I think where they're going to be picking. At least I think when you look at right, we've talked about the opponents the rest of the way, so. I, I'll be driving that train. I know Ryan will be as well. I'm sure everybody's going to hop on eventually. So <laughs> might as well started start it early here. Yeah. Hey, listen, it's never too early. It's always draft season, right? I it heard is. somebody say that one right. time. Yeah. I don't know. Some, someone <laughs> did. Paul Robertson said, KC's problem is losing offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. It's kind of like what the Packers went through too, right? You lose, you lose Hackett. Then you lose, you know, uh, God, I always forget his name of Chicago. Um, the OC last year. Oh, Gessie, Luke Gessie. And yeah. some people are going, oh, is Luke Gessie really that good? Guys, it shakes it shakes the entire coaching staff up when you lose people like that. It really yeah. does. Um, I like this right here. Chris N in the chat said, we need a video of Omer watching the next game wearing a DeGuara jersey. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if Omer will post a video, I've got an autographed Josiah DeGuara jersey. I will mail to him and give it to him for free <laughs> if he'll record that video. Nice. I, and I, I stand on that, all right? I'm a man of my word. Um, let's do this. Let's talk about – the personnel. This is something I've been harping on all year, Jake. Look at me covering your face up as if you don't matter, man. That's so rude. That's good. Um, I get to I get to zoom in and look at the screen here. There you go. I'm good with so, that. I will read it to you guys. It's kind of hard to read. This is from the 33rd team when we're talking about personnel groupings. Okay, you guys know I've been standing on the p- table screaming in the worst redneck voice all year long. Um, play more 11 personnel. Play more 11 personnel. Right now. They play 11 personnel. That's one running back, one tight end, three wide receiver sets, 64% of the time. The percentage ranking for that amount of 11 personnel is 17th in the league, okay? They run 12 personnel 30% of the time. The percentage ranking across the league is fourth. So they run 12 personnel, the fourth highest across the entire National Football League, and their EPA ranking when they're in 12 personnel is 25th. So you're in the bottom third right at the bottom of the barrel there as far as your EPA ranking, which is more or less SIS's way of, of determining how how well, you know, how well you're doing something. Okay. It's kind of a success rate, if you will, is the easiest way to describe it. So 25th. Look at the 11 personnel EPA ranking, 14th. Like if we would stay in 11 personnel more and, and Jake on Chalk Talk, I, I'm going to be doing it later this afternoon, man. Right. Um I don't think I called – I don't think there's one play on Chalk Talk, and I didn't do it intentionally. Guys, when I do Chalk Talk, what I do is I key in on, all right, I'm I'm trying to remove all the noise. I'm trying to remove the plays, the huge one-handed catch that happened on a drive where you didn't even score. It didn't have any impact on the game whatsoever, those type of things, right? Um, I try to key in on the scoring drive. I try to key in on the explosive plays, right? Any explosive plays, they always make Chalk Talk because – if you hit it on an explosive play, it triples your chances of scoring on that drive and vice versa on defense. If you give up an explosive play, I try to cover it, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think I've got one play, Jake, where we're in 12 personnel, not one. Um, I, I could be wrong. Sometimes I get into breaking the video down. Oh, yep, there it is. But I'm telling you, man, it was 11 personnel all day. Now, Luke Musgrave was out, obviously. That that played a big role. Yeah. But to me, it just it, – it, 
it lends credence to the fact that you're having more success out of 11 personnel. You can go back to 12 later, put a ton of 11 out there, put it on tape, you know, but how how do you see it? Do you see that the same way or am I missing something there, man? No, I think, I think it makes sense for them to get out of, get out of 12 right now, just because I think you have so much inexperience uh, at the tight end position where it just doesn't feel like you have somebody who can be that sixth lineman right now. We're, we're trying. We're, get, we're getting guys up to speed as much as possible. I think Kraft looks better as a blocker, right? We, we've kind of seen that over the last few weeks. Ben Sims, that's kind of what he's kind of been brought in for as well. And then obviously with, with Musgrave out, you can kind of look at that and be like, okay, well, you know, these guys are coming along as blockers, but they're not really adding anything, right? There's not going to be anything where we go, okay, no, if we're going to be in 12, how much of a threat are we in the passing game with play action with these two? Like, you know, we, we've seen craft kind of you know in college be that elusive player he played running back in high school like he, he can get to that point but it's you see more progression in in the first year with receivers than you do with tight ends that's just how it goes unless you're you know a laporta or a Pitts or you know a hall of famer way back in the day like like in ditka like that's we don't you don't get that very much so you might as well i think and green bay we kind of saw it a little bit right in this game where it was like you might as well commit to throwing the ball here because you know your, your possibility of generating explosives a lot better, right? Yep. And, and the the threats you have on the field with speed and Reed and Watson are going to give you those chances for explosive plays. You have chain movers. You have a guy who Malik Heath who could be, you know, 11 personnel, Alan Lazard, extension of the run game, help you out in that, you know, in the run game if he needs to. So you have other options at receiver who can kind of, you know, kind of attach themselves to the line if need be, but also have threats in the passing game. So I, I think it just makes more sense right now for them. I don't think adding, you know, two tight ends and running the ball is going to make them that much more successful running it. We, we've seen it. They're just not quite that team right now with the personnel they have. So you might as well get into the personnel that, you know, is still going to give you options. It's not like 11 is like, you know, putting you in a position where teams are going to know every every step you're taking. So I think it's something that, you know, we're going to see that shift. I think we saw it obviously yesterday or on Thursday, I mean, and. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to stick in a lot of 12 until maybe until Musgrave and Kraft have really proven themselves to be multifaceted threats where you can do a lot more out of 12. So, I, yeah, I think the, the shift to 11 makes a ton of sense right now. Yeah, and again, once you put that on tape, things starting to lighten up a little bit. You know, it, they start to lighten that box. They start to maybe in some cases go, okay, we're going to play dime here as opposed to nickel. Some teams do that, right? Yeah. A little two, three, six look. Um, you go to that look, now you can really soften things up for the running game. Nick McSwain said, uh, do y'all think they do that to get the tight end seasoned? Um, it it kind of feels like they're trying to get them more and more reps running 12 personnel. You think there's some truth to that, Jake? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think they know that that Kraft can bring a lot as a blocker. He's just got to get more NFL reps, right? It's a big jump for him. FCS to, you know, the NFL. That's that's a big jump to be taking. <laughs> So the more reps, obviously, the better for him. Uh, and we know Sims has kind of been that type of player as well. I think when next year, you know, Tyler Davis coming back might give them a little bit more uh, to work out of 12 where you can kind of rotate Kraft and, and Musgrave in. But I kind of like that where they have to, you know, Musgrave had to get reps there, you know, being a blocker on the line, Kraft doing the same thing now. Like it, it's going to help for the long run. Uh, but at some point, right, like you're making a playoff push here. And, you know, if you want to do that, I get it. Get some reps in 12 if you want to. But, like, we, we've seen 11 be working right now. And, and it, 
you know, you don't have to change a whole lot. And I get it. More snaps, better for these young guys. But, you know, playoffs is also good. <laughs> you can we can we can make that. <laughs> we can we can make that push uh, sticking in a lot of 11. Definitely. Dude. I'll tell you what, it, this is driving me crazy, Jake. Every I have seen Matt LaFleur running into that security guard more than I've seen Packer highlights from Thanksgiving. It's I like, it, dude, yeah. the good, good morning. Good morning. Football is unwatchable anymore. Like I always have it on in the background and kind of check the ticker. It's ridiculous. Once it's once ridiculous. Kay Adams and Nate Burleson left, it was done. Yeah, because it becomes the Kyle Brandt show. And I'll just yeah. say, I'm sorry. Yeah, you can do this if you want to, <laughs> Jake. But it it comes down to we're watching him shave his mustache on the air. We're watching him on Wheel of Fortune. It's like people don't tune into Good Morning Football on NFL Network to hear you try to be funny. We tune yeah. in because we love football. We love right. the history of the game. 100%. We want to know what's going on. It drives me nuts. 100%. And again, it's not Good Morning Shave Your Mustache or Good Morning, you know, <laughs> do the funny stock, you know, whatever thing on Wall Street that they did. Like, yeah. I don't care. And the Kay Adams, football, the Kay Adams opinion, it's not a shot at at uh at you know the uh, at, at Jamie Erdahl at all. No. Right? I think she does a good job. It's just when she left, it lost that. It, you know, Kay sitting in there with a random NFL hoodie on was like hearing your little sister who's passionate about football kind of lead a conversation about football, right? 100%. And it was just – it's tough to watch, man, now. Yeah. It's, it's there's a reason Burleson's on CBS now, not that. Like, it's exactly. – I mean and, – and, again, Jamie Erdahl, same thing. Like, you can only get <clears> – <throat> you can only – they're they're giving you what you're doing, right? Like, they're they're – you know, you're not the producer when you're on the air yourself. Like, this is – you know – She's right. kind of just doing what she can with what they're giving them, right? Yeah. So that's very true. And you can tell that the producers have geared everything around Kyle Brandt and like, okay, yeah. this is this, you know, his social media presence and all that. Just I don't know, yeah. it bothers me. Man. So yeah. um, look at this right here, getting a little love. Cheesehead Murph says, Good morning, Lambo. So much better. I don't know about all that. Now here I am talking <laughs> crap. Now I'm getting nervous. Man. Yeah, probably don't stack up very well. Um, I lost it here. Okay, so uh Carly Ray in the chat said, it's a great idea. We're going to start designing some merch. We need to do that, Carly. Um, it's it's in my notes. I've got like 10 things I got to work on and got to get done. We need to get some merch uh, designed because we got people asking for it. I think that would be a lot of fun. We got a lot of inside jokes on the show, too, so we can kind of stamp those on the sleeve or something. Little little diesel or something on the side, you know yes. what I mean? Um, yes. But, dude, it's so, so fun building a community with people, man. It's been a blast. Uh, let's do this. Let's get to uh, the rest of what we were going to try to cover here. Um, let's talk a little Jordan Love. You all right with that? Yes, absolutely. Let's, let's kind of cover. <laughs> I want to cover all the bases here, right? Because we got some people in the chat who think Jordan's the guy. We got others that are, they're not sold. You got people like me that's like, I, I want to wait to the end of the year, but I'm trending in. Yeah. I'm about to be sold. But this cool statistic right here popped up: first eleven know, games. Right. And again, this is uh, on Twitter at Jordan MF Love. Um, funny name. So. Uh, Jordan Love, this is the first 11 games for all three quarterbacks, okay? Brett Favre's first 11 games, 2,483 yards, 12 touchdowns, 8 picks, a 6-5 and five record. Aaron Rodgers' first 11 games, 2,599 yards, 17 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 5-6 and six record. Jordan Love, the same exact amount of yards. It's just wild to me. 2,599 yards, 19 touchdowns, so two more touchdowns than Aaron, and seven more touchdowns than Brett, 10 interceptions, uh, one more interception, obviously, than Aaron Rodgers, and two more than Brett. That's a wild stat. <laughs> and a five and six no. record. I mean, this is this is crazy, right, Jake, how close th these numbers are, man? 
Jordan Love is apparently the ultimate gunslinger, uh, <laughs> as it seems. High TD percentage, a little bit higher interception percentage than the other two. Uh, no, but this is it. This is so interesting. You know, you 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 said it a couple times when when he was brought up. Either it was uh, it was yesterday's Good Morning Lambo. He said time is a flat circle with the twenty five ninety nine. Like that's just eerie. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you've seen Love be efficient at times with, with, with touchdown percentage, like they're giving up chances to, you know, in the red zone. I remember the Atlanta game, they're just scheming stuff up. They're like, we're going to throw down here and, and, and let him, let him take over. But he is, I think becoming, I think just, I think everything's just moving a little bit slower for him right now. And, and, and that's, that's obviously a good thing um, where it maybe just felt like, you know, losing Bakhtiari hurts and, and starting to deal with that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. It's just like, wow, my my throat is going. Are you good? Take you a break there, man. He's getting emotional over this, guys. This means a lot to him. <laughs> it's always a joke. I it's an <clears throat> overused joke I have on this mm-hmm. podcast. Jay. Yeah, but like he, yeah, it just feels like the the chemistry with Reed is is improving. I think you're starting to find a little bit with Watson, even though I think we're still kind of under throwing those deep balls. But at least give him a chance. That's the biggest thing, and Watson will take a lot of those chances. I think the one thing with love is still, you know, I think there's still decision-making stuff to kind of hash out. I know he's trying to win some games at the end. The Pittsburgh game's a good kind of indicator for that, where it's just like, all right, he's going to take the chance, which is fine. Uh, you know, I would like to see him play a little more risk averse uh, and also hit a lot of more, a lot more layups. I, I still think you see a lot of things in the quick game that are maybe just a little bit behind Right, they're just not like in a position where a lot of receivers can take it, can take advantage after the catch. Yeah, but man, the touch! Wow, I am enthralled with the touch he puts on the ball now. I think, you know, when he can work the middle of the field as good as he's doing right now, and and, and layering throws as good as he's doing right now, that is giving me a lot more excitement than, you know, maybe maybe the touchdowns or, or you know <laughs> the yardage or whatnot. But like he is, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. The, the last four games have been really nice. Yeah. Uh, I think the Kansas City game is going to be a heck of a lot of fun for evaluation just because. At Lambeau. Yeah. Long it's a young secondary, but the Chiefs got a good secondary. Like McDuffie is playing some great ball this year. They got a lot of young guys in there like um, like Jalen Watson, uh, who who played some good ball. I think Brian Cook at safety. They They're really like they're really talented for being such a young group and seeing like two talented young groups go against each other. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. And I think, you know, it's love trying to navigate some pressure. I know Carl Loftus, I was looking this up earlier. He's got 46 pressures this year uh, and seven sacks. Uh, he's not grading out great, but he's he's clearly being disruptive, uh, which is what the Chiefs need. So a Spagnolo defense, he gets a second shot at him. I think it's going to be the best part about that game. And it's going to be super fun to see if the decision-making just kind of, if we see it against a tougher defense, if, if he can kind of just stay risk-averse in that game. Like, yeah. I think that's the one game the rest of the way where I'm like, if he aces that test, I'm there. Definitely. Paul Robertson in the chat said, good morning, Kyle Brandt. Kyle's sitting there in an 80s retro T-shirt, I might, might I say about three sizes too small, um, making weird noises. And then, of course, Nick McSwain and Derek K both had the, the same comment here. If mm. we create merch, you know what's going to be on the sleeve or something. Oh, for sure. 65%. 65%. <laughs> that's what we and it's going to be Mark Murphy's silhouette, and I am totally cool with paying him royalties. I am totally cool yeah. with that. Right? If yeah. he needs it, I don't know. Maybe I haven't 
haven't talked to him about his finances lately. So maybe anyway. maybe when he retires, he needs a few of those in his way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So back to Jordan Love. Let's talk about some of the statistics. Let's bore you with some numbers real quick. So when you look at Love uh, as far as passer rating, okay, and this is where it gets a little shaky, guys. Why we got to kind of let's take a step back for a second. And what's what's great news is he's rising on this list, right? Like he's he's mm-hmm. he continues to improve passer rating. Now he currently sits. 20th in the league at 87.4, okay? I don't think that's horrible. He's now above 60% in completion percentage, but again, in passer rating, he is ranked 20th right now, okay? Look at the percentage of interceptions. This is another one that's kind of a little bit alarming, right? When you look at interception percentage, and guys, basically the percentage of passes in which he throws an interception, and then this is ranked throughout the league. He's currently sitting 26th, okay, and, and we've got it sorted lowest to highest, okay. So he's 26th worst, I guess you could say, as far as interception percentage. It's not to knock him. It's not to say he isn't the guy. This is how you identify the things you need to work on as a quarterback, right? So interception percentage. His on-target, you know, we talked about his accuracy, right, his on-target percentage, uh, he is currently sitting 24th at 72.1. Now, what's on target percentage? On target percentage is you're hitting the receiver in stride. This is, in my opinion, it, it you know it obviously includes pass breakups. As long as you were accurate from a sense of you couldn't have thrown the ball any better, that's the way I understand on target percentage, okay? Now, catchable percentage, a little more lenient, right? That's obviously the ball was catchable. It might not have necessarily been quote unquote on target, but it was deemed mm-hmm. catchable. This is according to SIS, 21st at 84.2%. So you're seeing passer rating and accuracy um, is, is kind of right there around that 20 range. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, what about, you know, this league, they don't, they don't look at the end of, at the end of the day on the scoreboard. It doesn't say what's his completion percentage, what's his this. It's how many points do you score, right? Yeah. In touchdowns, this is where it gets a little exciting. He's fifth in the league in touchdown passes at 19 touchdowns. Guys, he is tied for Pat Mahomes, who's sitting at 19. Tua Tunga Bailoa is just two ahead of him at 21. Josh Allen, uh, three ahead of him at 22. And then Dak Prescott, four ahead of him at 23. Now, you see the interceptions there when it comes to the top five. He's got the second most interceptions. Josh Allen has 12 interceptions. Jordan Love has 10. Okay. So again, look at Dak Prescott, man. My goodness, that dude is balling out. 23 touchdowns, only six picks. Um, pretty impressive yeah. there. Now, let's take the PFF approach. And I want to get your take, and I can pull all these up on demand for you if you need me to, Jake. But uh PFF grade, little small. I'll kind of point it out to you guys. According to PFF, Jordan Love ranks 18th at a 74.1 overall offensive PFF grade. Okay, so what you're seeing is PFF kind of aligns with the passer rating and the accuracy issues, right, and saying he's right around a top 20 quarterback is the way they see it according to their grades, right? Um, But, again, the league's about scoring points. Jake, what do you think about all that? Is there any of that you want me to pull up? So I actually brought it up as well. You are. You're talking about it. Um he is T ninth in turnover worthy play percentage. So I know the picks are there, mm. but I think PFF would lean towards he's getting more unlucky uh, with the interceptions yep. uh, than others. I think is a really nice one to point out as well because you have somebody, I think, who, you know, you look at Brock Purdy, whose uh, turnover worthy play percentage is 4.1%, and that is not showing up uh, on interceptions. He's, I think he's got six on the year, if that's if I'm correct on that. So I think it's just another interesting little tidbit there uh and then i think love is sort of the middle of the pack right now big time throw percentage yeah 16th so ahead of cj stroud 
actually right now ahead of Burrow, ahead of Mahomes, <laughs> ahead of Goff. So he, you know, he's so when you said turnover worthy plays, are you saying he is not the best in the league? Is that yes. right? Turnover worthy okay. play percentage. That's good percent, information. Which, yeah. So I think he's got what 11 turnover worthy plays, which is that's hovering around. I think it's if you go by if you're going like most is highest, he's got uh, he's like middle of the pack again with Stroud and Lamar. Both all of them have 11 turnover worthy plays this year. But when you go to the percentage marks, like he is, he's doing really well actually in that, in that he's just getting unlucky. And I think part of it, right, you, you look at the interception to to Dobbs, right, in the Detroit, the last Detroit game earlier this year, where it's miscommunication. Love thinks, you know, Dobbs is going to sit down, and Dobbs instead decides I'm getting into scramble mode. He's he's he doesn't he doesn't know that. He he's not in Dobbs' head, he doesn't know Dobbs is going anywhere. Right. Um, so that's a tough one to put sort of on love, but of course, just the counting stats are going to because that's how it's always been. But I think PFF did a good job highlighting, you know, how you know Love's got done some big time throws, and yeah, the turnover he plays are are up there a little bit, but he's he's playing some gunslinger ball, and he's I, I think when you look at EPA per play and the, like completion percentage over expectation, which that second stat is going up, it's looking a lot better the past few weeks. I think weeks nine to eleven, if you just took those, he was like third in that composite behind Dak and Stroud, I believe, were the mm-hmm. only ahead of him. So. He's, he's sort of clicking here mid-season, which is really nice to see. And yeah, I'm like I said, I, I'm not there yet. I think you would I think you're in agreement, right? I think you're not there yet quite yet, Clay. Right. Getting close. We're we're trending in the right direction, which is which is great to see uh as the calendar is about to turn December. Yeah, and, and that's why it's so important to to get imagine if we had pulled him, guys, when some fans were calling to pull him and go, let's see what Sean Clifford got. And I'm not dogging on this, that's not a backhanded, you know, I'm not trying right. to imagine if you had you wouldn't have been able to see this peak and we're going to find out is it a peak or is it just a part of the ascension right yeah um and if you had approached it from let's pull him and try clifford okay clifford didn't work out now let's put love back in the timing's off with the offense the receivers haven't gotten used to love love hasn't gotten used to the receivers all the choice aspect like matt lafleur has been very vocal he's he's very hesitant on who he plays in the f in that flyer spot because they have to be able to read. They have to be able to read and react to choice routes, right? That's, yeah. that's very, very important in their offense. So uh, there's just so many things that go into factor for it. So that's why I think the decision had to be made. You got to let them play this season out. And oh, yeah. uh, again, man, it's exciting. It's exciting well, that we're in the right direction. Well, for me, we didn't. We didn't take Clifford in the fifth to be, you know, a starting QB. <laughs> this is to fill a backup spot. We're not evaluating Clifford this year. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's just that's not what it's going to be. Love didn't get you know, an extra little, you know, year on the deal for next year to say, oh yeah, let's see what Clifford's got. Like, sorry, that's just, that's just how it is. Like we got to find out if the first round guy is, you know, with a lot of this talent is that guy. That's just, that's how it is. Definitely. Uh, Derek K in the chat says, please everyone go smash the, smash the like button. Uh, yeah, we would appreciate it. If you guys would just hit the like button for us. That'll help other Packer fans find this podcast and this uh, YouTube channel. We really appreciate it. If you don't like this kind of content, hey man, just Pretend like you never heard us, right? No big deal. No big deal at all. You get more people um, in on the inside jokes. Just saying. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Hey, you probably get less people that come in and go, what are they talking about, Diesel? I'm out of here. It's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see what Christian says. Christian says, my childhood was far, so I'll always have a little bigger place in my heart for four versus 12. Uh, there's a lot of people that see it that way, man. Um, you know, and uh, it's, uh, you know, he, he made me kind of fall in love with the game of football. I'll be honest with you, just seeing the way that his teammates loved him and how he played and, and all the things that, you know, I don't know. It's just, 
it was just that era I think they needed. I think John Madden, you know, we just celebrated John Madden on Thanksgiving, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think he has a lot to do with that, too. You know, John Madden was – sure. He was definitely leading the campaign trail like I am for Joe Barry for uh, for, for Favre back in the day. There's no doubt about oh, that. Yeah. But Absolutely. Since we mentioned Joe Barry, let's talk about the defense a minute. You yes. give us that, and we'll wrap this big bear up. Let's. Probably should have carried it over to the next show tonight, but it's totally cool. Let me get adjusted here. Um, I'm an organized freak here, dude. I'm a logistician. That's my personality type. So I'm very to the – It either it's either fact or it's fiction. I don't want to hear anything in between. <laughs> and if we're not organized, I'm throwing something through the window. Like All right. This. There we go. Oh, uh, defensive points per game. If you're a Joe Barry hater, might want to move on to the next yeah. podcast. So NFL team <laughs> opponent uh, opponent points per game, okay? Yeah. They are currently sitting 10th now at 20.4, okay? To put that into perspective, above them is Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Buffalo, Dallas, Kansas City, Baltimore, and San Francisco. We were talking about Kansas City struggles on offense. Well, their defense has really stepped up this year. Only 16.4 points per game. They kind of have the edge in the matchup over the Packers, in my opinion, in that regard, because our offense has been the part of our team that struggled um, and the fact that their defense has really stood up. Now, the last three games, Kansas City, 19.7 points is what they've allowed. The Packers, obviously, 21.7 the last uh, the last three games. So, with that being said, Points per game, they're only giving up the Packers 20.4 points per game. Now, if you break it down a little bit further and go points per play, Green Bay is seventh in points per play. Now, I'm showing this because all year long I've pointed this out and I've been told that we're not allowed to acknowledge it because they haven't played anyone. We've now played the Lions twice and we played the Chargers offense as well. If we come out against Kansas City somehow, some way, keep them around 20 points. And again, we held Detroit to 14 points going into that 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 final drive they had, that final scoring drive they had, and you could tell the defense kind of played, okay, we're playing the clock now. Yeah, Jake, I've got people coming at me on Twitter going, if it was just without that last drive, right, if they hadn't given up that last drive, I'd be more on board. If they go out and they play overly aggressive and Detroit doesn't score on that drive, guess what happens? Everyone's going, this is Joe Barry being too aggressive. He's got to know the clock's yeah. his opponent here. Like he, yeah, you're not going to win. You're not. And, and again, listen. My stance has been firm all year long. Do I think Joe Barry is a great defensive coordinator? I personally don't. But when I look at the stats and I look at how this defense has performed, I have a hard time saying Joe Barry is the problem. It's just it's hard yeah. to, it's hard to say that. But what do you think, man? I know it's been a roller coaster this year, Jake. When it comes to the defense, at times I think people were completely ticked off when you seen Preston Smith in coverage and it didn't work, right? Yeah. And then of course other times you come out and you uh, you have a a great game like they did against Detroit, man. How are you seeing it? I, you don't necessarily have to answer the question, is Joe Barry the guy moving forward? But what do you think defensively? So I, I didn't see the Lions on there. Were they on there? <laughs> Where's Detroit at? Oh, no. Don't see him in the, the top 18. So that's weird. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't see anybody in Detroit calling for anybody to be fired anyway. <laughs> um no, but I think that's interesting because I think, you know, it's like it's a who you played, who have you played type of thing. And like, who has Detroit played, to be honest? I know they've played Kansas City, right? Obviously, it'd be nice to get that, you know, game under our belt as well to kind of be a measuring stick for Detroit. But like, man, guys, Detroit gave up 37 to Seattle. If you haven't watched Seattle lately, uh, the offense doesn't look that good. They are struggling. Um, yeah. And Detroit gave up 37 to them. So, you know, I don't. Detroit's playing pretty much the same schedule. I don't know what we want to do with that information, but like 
do I think Joe Barry's probably the guy? Not necessarily because I think there's something with something that's trickling down, like philosophically, where if you're going to play three four, right? Like you have to have guys who can drop into coverage, right? But then you know Goody and company have always seem to prefer 270 pounds, you know, outside linebackers slash edge rushers. Well, that doesn't really compute. That's more of a four three thing. So it seems like there's, you know, when you when you see Preston Smith in covers, that feels like a, a disconnect from coaching to, you know, the general manager a little bit. Yeah. I, I think is something that I've I've kind of talked a little bit about on, on, you know, at times as well. So I think with with what the personnel has, you know, the personnel that, that Barry's been given this year, I I think he's really done well. Right, you haven't had Jair for you know stretches Campbell hasn't been there for stretches Walker hasn't been there for stretches Ford's been out a while and you and you obviously just traded Rasul Douglas like this is a pretty solid job that I think Barry's doing and and clearly obviously it helps when Rashawn Gary does does that right that that certainly helps the, the Joe Barry thing going along but I it's hard to argue with the results right now and, and the points per play thing I think is really really good where you look at okay they're playing a little bend don't break and that's kind of what that last drive against Detroit was it's like okay yeah you can run 18 plays and score a touchdown if you want but the game's going to be over and I think that is you know that's exactly what they needed to do so I think Barry's going to be that it's going to be a lot of you know we're going to make you make the mistake and the Lions made mistakes yesterday right that's that's kind of how this defense is built uh it's it stinks when they go on 18 play touchdown drives but Right, <laughs> you're gonna get Not some drives that are 18 plays where they're either gonna turn the ball over, or they're kicking, you know, a field goal, which they'll take every time, with with the offense starting to get in a groove here. So, yeah, I think he's done a, a really solid job because I think you've had some pretty inconsistent performances this year from guys you, you expect to show up week in and week out. Alexander and Clark being two of those guys, right? So, yeah, I, I think I think he's done a really good job, and he gets he gets now Baker. He gets Tommy DeVito. He gets Bryce Young, who that entire organization, offensive, you know, scheme, structure, personnel, that's a mess. Uh, and then you get the Bears one more time. Like, he's got chances to go out and just and throw some haymakers against some some bad offenses. And, you know, it's all you can do. I right. mean, you can only play your schedule. That's it. Omer in the chat said this team's going to the playoffs because Seattle's about to slide. Keep in mind, though, Seattle, according to the 33rd team, is the 12th ranked team in the league. So, you know, they've struggled of late. I think there's some some cyclical nature to that. Is Geno Smith hurt? Do you know? Is he is he been? He bankrupt? was. He does. He does have the elbow injury. He, he had an elbow injury on Sunday against uh, the Rams. Uh, they had to have him come back in to finish uh, the yeah. game. I think he wanted to finish it because Drew Locke is, uh, you know, he's Drew Locke. He's a backup for a reason. Let me uh, let me translate that for our listeners because you're way too respectful. He's saying Drew Locke is booty cheats. So yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, him being hurt, their offensive line being in shambles, they haven't had their second-year tackles around for most of the year. Uh, they're trying to figure out how to use JSM because they don't have enough time to let him run this deep stuff over the middle, right? They just don't, they don't have that kind of time, so they're trying to figure out how to use him. They, the running games are very hot or cold now. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, they just played San Francisco and they're six and five. They have Dallas next Thursday, which if your offense is struggling, that's not the team I would want to play necessarily. Uh, then they get San Francisco again on the road this time, and then they get Philly. Yeah, definitely. It could be six and eight in a hurry, and they got to fight from behind. Like that's 
not where you want to be. So not at all. Yeah. The Badger Trio in the chat says uh, this team was looking at a top five pick just five weeks ago. Now we're in the hunt for the playoffs. Hey man, the NFL is a wild animal. There's no doubt about it. Cheesehead Murph said, "I'm um, I'm biased to who uh, can only play who is in front of you." I mean, it's it's so true. That's all. That's what drives me crazy. But well, they haven't played anybody. You you only played. The reason I have a problem with DVOA and stuff like that is because. That DVOA at the first of the season could be totally different by the end of the season. For sure. Right. And that's why it's like, let's calm down with, you know, that stat being this gospel, if you will, of how to determine how good a football, uh, a a defense is or a football team is. Yeah. Again, all information is good information. Let's take it all, put it in the, put it in the formula and see what we come away with. Yeah. 17 games is already a small sample size. Right. Yeah, the, the football doesn't have the luxury of being baseball, right? <laughs> we have 162 <laughs> games to work Thank off of data, right? <laughs> like we can only use for DVOA, right? Through one week, right? You can only use a lot of what you saw last year and what you, you know, kind of perceived last year. And by yeah. week 12, you still don't have it. It's not a huge size. At least it's it's a little better, right? Based on what we've seen. But, you know, things can change really quickly. Like you said, for Green Bay, for Denver, right? Things have changed quickly there as well. Like it's. It's, it's pretty wild. And the NFC, I mean, I think we kind of knew this coming to the season where, you know, people are kind of at the by by August, late August. They're like, well, Green Bay's roster is not bad. Like they're in the NFC right now. There's you know, you could say there were kind of three teams. Maybe you're say it was four. If you thought Seattle was in that mix, you thought Detroit was going to add to that mix. But after that, it was kind of pretty much open season where, you know, anybody could kind of sneak in if they had, you know, a decent season. So that's that's kind of where we're at. Definitely. And, you know, the other thing, too, we were all saying, you know, this this isn't a bad roster. I mean, we got Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had arguably his worst year of his career. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. you never know what's going to what's going to unfold. And I, I do. I, I want to believe the injuries are the reason. Let's hope so. The run blocking yeah. definitely hasn't helped. But yeah. uh, Badger Trio in here. First of all, if you guys would, we got a we got a herd in here right now. Uh, hit that like button for us if you don't mind. That will help other Packer fans find this uh, this channel, this podcast, and this content. Um, again, if you like the content, we'd appreciate you doing that. Uh, the Badger Trio says, "I know it's crazy, but all six games are winnable games. They absolutely are, man. Yes. Um, that's what's absolutely. so exciting about the coming down the stretch here. Cold weather football at Lambeau, man. Oh, I can't wait." Derek K says. Uh, like we said, momentum is real, absolutely. And we'll end it with this one right here, Jake. Uh, Bill in the chat says, Barry better have a good pl- a, a good plan yeah. for defending the middle of the field against KC. You know, anytime you play quarters coverage, which is, you know, this is a, a Fangio-based system, although we played a ton of cover one man, uh, cover one uh, triple rat. They, they broke out the triple rat again this week. I've seen it um, uh, on Chalk Talk. You guys will hear it later today. Barry loves in those passing situations. You know what? Let's just bring four. Let's play man coverage, single high safety, and drop three zones across the middle. It is hilarious watching quarterbacks. Before they finish their drop, Jake, they're like, what in the world am I supposed to do here? Yeah, right. <laughs> like immediately that's... starting to think, how can I find a way to extend the play? So love that triple triple rat look. But the answer there, Bill, um, the very, very short answer is two on the shelf, middle field open, right? One on the shelf, middle field closed. You're probably going to see a lot of single high. Now, what does that do? That opens up the sideline shots, right? The back shoulder throws, all those things. Now, do they have the receivers to do that, right? You're probably going to see Quay matched up on Kelsey a lot. Quay, yeah. you correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but I feel like if there's one strength to Quay's game, 
it's probably pass coverage. I mean, he's got the athleticism to run with those tight ends. If, yeah. you, if you can prevent him from making those mistakes as far as penalties, um, the last play of the game there uh, that you, I'm sorry, the last play you'll see on Chalk Talk today was him running kind of a, it was a flat route from Laporta and he wheeled it off at the sideline. Quay step for step with Sam Laporta, who's been arguably a top 10 tight end this year. Yeah. years. No, I'm not trying to say Sam Laporta is, you know, on the same level as Travis Kelsey, please understand. But um, I think that you're probably going to try to bracket cover him too. That's something else that got overlooked last game when the game was on the line and they got kind of aggressive. You've seen Keyshawn outside leverage on Keenan, and they had a little inside help. They were bracket covering Keenan. You'll probably see that with Kelsey. Make yeah. MBS beat you. Make these other receivers yeah. beat you. But Pacheco's healthy, right? Am I thinking, Jake? I believe so, yeah. I, I don't think he's been on the, the report. I think Pacheco is a very underrated player, <laughs> player in this league, and he he just looks – to me, he looks pretty dynamic. But what do you he's think memed, about – He's memed because he runs funny, which is fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, he looks like he's angry at the grass, but he has been very effective for them. He was he was crucial for them, I think, you know, late last year and in the postseason. So, yeah, he's going to be – you know, he's going to be a problem. Um, Yeah, I think this hasn't been the best year for Kelsey either. Right. And, you know, I, I think if you're going to have 22-year-old, ridiculously good athlete, Quay Walker, on, you know, 33, 34-year-old Travis Kelsey, like, you know, I kind of feel pretty decent about that. Like, Kelsey is at his best because he knows, okay, like, I see where this defender is leveraged. I see post-snap where guys are moving. I'm going to find the space. And so he is he is so good at that, and he's so good at, you know, being proactive before the ball arrives because he's, you know, it translates to him being a good yak player. So he's, he's a problem and he's been a problem for a long time. And it's, I think bracket coverage will help. I think that, you know, maybe, you know, he, he, he had some drops. He fumbled in a big spot last week as well. Like that's, you know, it, it's a little uncharacteristic. Yeah. I think. What do you think's changed in his life, Jay? Well, <laughs> who can say, <laughs> listen, I, I, Hey, Hey, he's got to do him though. I get it. Like, you know, he, he's been, he's been, he's been in the league a long time, right? Like it's, you know, he's, he's probably getting close spots. He's getting close to where, you know, might be close to hanging it up, find one more ring, you know, or, and then after find maybe another ring, you know, after he plays, uh, but like, you know, he, he's, he's hitting that tail end where he's, you know, slowly, but surely, gonna maybe start creeping down that list of like when you make a tight end tight end list across the league i think laporta has been outstanding this year so i think that's honestly like based on how they've played this year at least like that's a pretty good measuring stick of, of kind of how you would compare kelsey right now because it's again it hasn't been kelsey's best year laporta's been outstanding as a rookie like both of them deserve respect so yeah you have to you have to let mvs beat you you have to let justin watson beat you let Tony beat you. Let Sky Moore beat you. Like, yes. Stop me if you, stop me, Chad. If you've heard of any of these names this year, because it's been just absolute cheeks out there for these guys. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think the only other threat on that team right now is Rasheed Rice, to be honest, because he does a lot of the same things as Kelsey, where he's just excellent at at making slight adjustments in the route to find space. He's such a good space hunter against zone coverage that it's going to be him and Kelsey that you're going to have to check and see where they are uh, on the field at all times, because those two guys are going to find space for, for Mahomes to deliver the ball to them. So it's, it's, again, it's going to be about 
you know, okay, you can let them have those short plays. That's fine, right? Like, just don't don't break. You can bend a little bit next week. Absolutely. Very well said. Um, yeah, you know, there's some people that are saying uh, Kelsey's having a down year because he's, whoosh, you know, they uh, got the whip out on him. I don't know. Man. You call me anything you want, but don't call me that. He's hearing the noise, and let's just hope he don't hear it before, with, before they play the Packers. That would suck yeah. for him to put it all together. Um, I looked it up, though, on PFF. And the it, it seems like uh yeah they've got him ranked fourth right now at eighty point six so a down year for Kelsey as one quarterback once said is probably yeah. a career year for others so yeah that's um, a it good is point it's a so, good point all right guys we're way over I really appreciate you taking the time uh to hop on here Jake this was yeah. a lot of fun man it's always a pleasant surprise if you guys would hit that like button for us if you like this kind of yeah. content we'd appreciate it, it. want to give a special thanks to everyone in the chat you guys were. Absolutely awesome today, keeping the conversation going. You carry me every single episode, and I, I, I really – I don't take it lightly. I really appreciate you guys doing that. So uh, we'll be back later today. I was thinking about doing Chalk Talk Midday and then going PTA, PTA Live tonight, but we may – there may be a chance we switch it up and do Chalk Talk for PTA tonight so the guys can be on with us and we can just kind of break down some film. Obviously, the stream will be going up and coming down a lot because of the copyright stuff, but if you'll just hang tight – It'll continue to to come back up. And, of course, you can watch it in its entirety later. But we may end up doing that. i got to take the wife out. We're going to go out and do some shopping, a little bit of Christmas shopping uh, today. So if I make it back in time, we'll do a separate Chalk Talk episode. If not, we'll just blend it into PTA tonight. But Excellent. really, really appreciate you, Jake. Thank you for your time. Yeah. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back up. <laughs>